Right, good morning, ladies and gents. Hope you're all well. Right, somebody asked me to do a podcast on uh, homework. Okay, so here's some thoughts on homework. Right, in an ideal world, a kid comes home, he leaves school, isn't he? Gets in the house, maybe gets in the house for half past four. He's got some really good habits. He's got really supportive parents. He goes up in his bedroom, he sits at his desk. He's got a lovely desk in his room. He's got a lamp. Uh, everything's sorted. And he goes, right, okay. Every night at half past four, I make an appointment for my, with myself. And every night at half past four, I do my homework. I'm in this location and I'm there and I'm working hard. And I keep on working hard till I finish, okay? Because that's his work ethic. That's the set of habits that the guy's got or the girl's got. Um, great. He goes, tell you what, I've got English, maths and science tonight. <clears throat> I don't like maths. Oh, I want to put maths off. What do I always do? The subject that I want to put off, the thing I don't want to do, I do that first. And he says to himself, right, I've got English, maths and science tonight. I'm going to do my maths first because I find maths hard and I like to put it off. So that's the first thing I'm going to do. That's the advice we give them at school. And that's what they do. There's a book um, called by Brian Tracy, old book now, uh, called, I think it's called Eat the Frog. <laughs> and the idea is, what is the thing you, you, you try to avoid? What is it? What's at the root of your procrastination? Do the thing you don't want to do first. So the boy or the girl sat down at their desk. It's 4.30. They made that appointment to themselves or with themselves and they get on with it. And they start doing their maths because they don't want to do their maths. And he goes, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But how am I going to get lift off? How am I going to get momentum? I'm just going to do 22 minutes of work. That's a little thing I do myself now. It's 2022. I do little 22 minute blocks. And he goes, right, I'm going to complete 22 minutes of maths. And then after I've done 22 minutes of maths, it's a bit of a reward for myself, really. I'm going to do my English because I like doing English. And I'll do 22 minutes of English as a reward. And then I'm going to go back to the maths because I've got to finish my maths homework off. OK, that's what he says to himself. Great. He gets into it. He gets into the momentum. He's 20, he's 22 minutes into his maths and he's going, actually, you know, it's not as bad as I thought, is it? Uh, I tell you what, I reckon this homework will take about 45 minutes. I'll, I'll just I'll just keep blasting on for a little bit. I'll go past my 22-minute barrier. I might do 30 minutes. I'll see how it goes. He keeps on blasting through. After 30 minutes, he goes, it's not quite finished. Oh, I've had a guts full. Tell you what, I'm going to reward myself with 22 minutes English now because I like doing English. He does his 22 minutes English. He loves it. He's he's rewards himself. Doing another set of homework is the reward because that's his mindset. That's what he's thinking. And then he goes, tell you what, oh, I could do this English all night because I'm really enjoying the English, but I'm going to stop it there. I've done 22 minutes. I'm going to finish my maths. And then he finishes his maths. Great. And he goes, oh, I finished my maths. I'll do 22 more minutes of English. That'll be my reward. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You've still got science to do. Mm. I don't want to do the science. I want to do the, uh, the, uh, the English. Why don't you do 22 minutes of science? See how, see how it goes. And then you can reward yourself with the English. Yeah, okay. That's the conversation he has in his head. So he's, he's eating the frog. He's doing the, the homework he doesn't want to do. He's doing the thing that he wants to procrastinate over. He's doing that first. And of course, every time he has a little victory like that, he's going, yeah, that's good. Because we've taught him this at school. His teachers have taught him this. Hopefully his parents have taught him this. And they go, listen, every time you, you fight back against pr procrastination, every time you have a little victory, every time you do the thing you don't want to do first, 
that's another little tick, isn't it? That's another vote for the kind of person that you are. Again, when I use that language, it's kind of vote for the person you are. I'm thinking very much about Atomic Habits, James Clear, book I've been reading for a couple of months now. Such, such, such a good book. Um, there you go. So the kid, he gets his maths done. Didn't want to do it, but he got it done. He rewards himself with a little bit of English. Got his science done. Didn't want to do it, but he did it. Then rewards himself with a little bit of English. Brilliant. And he does that, and he does that five nights a week, or three nights a week, or four nights a week, because sometimes he's got sporting clubs and things like that. But he gets a balance, doesn't he? He knows at half past four every night, or three or four nights a week, I am sat at my desk, and I'm doing this, and I do my work in 22-minute blocks. There you go, and he keeps on top of his work. He might know at eight o'clock I go and play on a computer game for 30 minutes. Five nights a week, four nights a week, whatever it might be. Maybe he doesn't play on that computer game on the night he does sports clubs after school. He knows, okay, I have a bit of a line on a Saturday and a Sunday. I normally have to get up at seven, but on Saturdays and Sundays, I get up at eight. My body clock kind of wakes me up anyway, but I get up at eight. I've started my work at half past eight. I'm sat at my desk. And again, by midday on a Saturday and by midday on a Sunday, with little blocks of 22 minutes and maybe a couple of breaks, I've got all my homework done. And you know, sometimes I don't have that much homework to do. And sometimes I think, well, tell you what, why don't I do a little bit of more research, a bit of extra research, maybe on the internet, maybe rereading some stuff that I've done before. Um, I, I might focus a lot on English because I really like English. Well, i tell you what, I'm still a bit rusty on that in maths. I'm still a bit rusty in that in science. I'm going to go back and I'm going to revise the stuff that I'm not good, good at. It's easy to do stuff you're good at. It's easy to practice doing stuff you're good at. But now nah, I'm going to practice. I don't really want to practice extra maths, but I'll do 22 minutes. I don't really want to practice extra science, but I'll do 22 minutes. And when I have, I reward myself with 22 minutes of English, something that I like. A bit of extra, a bit of revision, a bit of a documentary, whatever it might be. If all kids thought like that, wow, homework would be brilliant, wouldn't it? And he could talk to his mum and he's talked to his dad. His mum and his dad is re rewarding him just by their praise, really. And say, listen, I've got to say, Johnny, I'm so impressed. You've got this work ethic. You, you're able to delay gratification. You're keeping on top of all your work outside of school and inside of school. You've got hobbies beyond school because you, you time your leisure time and you, you designate and allocate your work time. You're really mature. This is a great foundation for the future, for you, for university, for college, for life. If kids were like that, homework would be great and homework would really, really work. Not many kids are like that. Now, we can help. We can set them up for success. And I think sometimes we don't. But finding a kid that has that work ethic, that has that ability to delay gratification, that has that has developed that habit of allocating time, making a promise to himself and keeping it. Whew. They're few and far between these kids. They stand out, but they're few and far between. So we can't build a system upon these exceptional, exceptional kids. We just can't. It's building on sand. I'm going to say with schools, we fixate a lot on homeworks. We invest a lot of energy in homework. Uh, I don't think we do it well generally. I've never known a school that gets homework done well uh, ever um, Michaela we did lots of the self quizzing didn't we which was copying I don't think there's anything wrong with copying you can copy in a mindless manner or you can copy in a thoughtful manner if I'm copying 
say I want to learn some new French anatomy. Okay, if I would, I, I would, I would copy it out. I would write it out. I would underline the vowel combinations. I would double underline the double letters. I'd mark in all the liaison. I'd dot all the silent letters. I'd write the number of letters in each word. So I'm looking and I'm paying attention. I call that cuddles because you're counting, you're underlining, you're double underlining, you're dot per silent letter, you're mocking your liaison, you're exaggerating your accents. Bang less is a story. Sometimes I can use stories as memory aids. What I'm trying to do there is I'm trying to get kids to, to copy out. Yeah, that's fine. But what are they doing? It's the thought process as they copy out. They're thinking carefully. Ooh, what am I remembering? What am I not remembering? What element of that word, what element of that statement do I keep getting wrong? What is the bit I keep getting mixed up? I need them to learn to pay attention to detail. Now, copying can't do that. But just picking up a pen, so you had a statement, I don't know, I met a traveller from an antique land, okay, for a line from Ozymandias. Say a kid has been told he's got to complete a page of um, Ozymandias. And he just writes, I, 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 on every line. Met, 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 a, 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 a. You know how they game things when they copy. So copying can be great, but it's got to be thoughtful copying. Got to be, got to be thoughtful. Um, so when we put a lot of energy and effort into getting kids to do homework, we're, what we're doing is Stephen Covey, another really important book for me, he talks about the circle of concern and the circle of influence. Stephen Covey, Seven Habits. I highly recommend that book. Now, there's things I've got control over. I'm, well, in theory, I'm in a classroom. I'm in a classroom. The kids are in front of me. How I teach, the quality of the exemplars I use, the quality of the questions I ask, the quality of my explanations. Are they precise and concise? Are all kids looking at me? Are their arms folded? Are they fiddling? What are they doing? What are they doing? Am I making sure that their answers are full sentence responses? Am I making sure they project their answers so I can hear, everybody else can hear, we can all learn from their strengths and also from their mistakes? I can control to a large extent what happens in that classroom. That's my circle of concern. So the effort I put in there, I'm going to get a much better return on investment. Yeah. Outside of school, homework. I've got very little control. I don't have control over the parents. Are the parents into homework? Are the parents helping, supporting their children? Does the kid have his own bedroom? Does, his kid, does the kid have a lamp? Does he have a desk? Does he have a chair? Is it quiet? Uh, is it lots and lots of siblings? Is it really noisy? Is it, are there too many distractions? Are there too many temptations around him? What are his mates like? Do his mates, are they a siren call? Are they wanting to come out and play football or whatever it might be? Is he on a computer? Is he on the internet? Is he on some kind of app on his phone? All of those things that I can't control. So I might be banging the drum about homework, but really have I got that much control? Lots of issues, lots of issues. So I'm going to say we're better off really focusing upon what we can change, which is the culture of the school, the culture in my classroom, how I teach. And think about as well, okay, um, if you are a teacher, so you're a French teacher, and you've got um, 10 classes, say 300 kids, okay then. So how often do you look at their books? Now that's for classwork and for homework. That's for classwork and for homework. And when I say look at their books, is it school policy to mark in a certain way? Or um, are you literally just reading them and making some notes so you can give whole class feedback? 
because you could have a marking policy inside your school that uh, is incredibly onerous. But say I've got 300 kids, argument's sake, and I look at their book, each child's book once a week for two minutes. And I don't know what I can learn from that, to be honest. But if I'm looking at the kids' book for two minutes once a week, but that's 10 hours. That's 10 hours of reading people's work. That's classwork and homework. Can I realistically be expected to read every kid's book every week? Can I realistically, let alone mark them according to your school marking policy? And, and if that includes the homework, how much time am I supposed to look at the homework? So what if I spend four minutes? What if I spend four minutes every week looking at the kid's work? That's 20 hours a week. So that 20 hours a week, how do, how do I do that then? Do I, do I, do I, like Monday to Friday, do I spend 4.30 to 6.30, Monday to Friday, that'd be 10 hours, reading kids' work. Okay, okay. That's only given the four minutes per child. And then do I spend another five minutes, uh, sorry, five hours on Saturday and five hours on Sunday reading kids' work? <laughs> what if I spend 10 minutes per child? Well, that's going to be 50 hours per week if I've got 10 classes. But what if I'm an RE teacher? What if I'm a music teacher? How many kids do they teach? French teacher, I'm maybe teaching 10 classes. But a music teacher, an RE teacher, an art teacher, they could be teaching 600 kids or something insane like that. So you've got to think, what is the learning return on time invested? I'm going to invest all this time, potentially, have the kids completed their work to a good standard? Did I set them up for success? Did I show them how to revise? Did I show them how to do their homework? Did I give them some support as well as challenge? Do I differentiate homework? All of this has an impact upon your time. If we're not getting a really good learning return on time invested for homework that we set, why are we doing it? Why don't we think about doing something different? Are we setting homework and are we setting it badly? And are we all dancing around the fact that the kids don't do it or the kids don't do it well? And are we dancing around all of these facts because we do homework to appease Ofsted? Are you setting homework that's not very good and you know a lot of the kids don't do it, so if the kids don't do it, you have to follow it up with the detention. Right, okay. Now, if you've got mixed ability classes or you've got lots of low ability classes, now in the top set, you might have 30 kids in the class and 25 kids do their homework. So you've got five to follow up. Okay, still a lot of follow up, but you've got five to follow up. If you've got a lower ability class or you've got a mixed ability class, what if you've got 30 kids in the class and only five do the homework? Or only 10 do the homework? So you've got all of those kids to follow up. What about the kids that have done it, but it's really poor quality? Are you going to follow that up as well? A lot of the time we're dancing around. We play this game. The teacher sets homework that he knows nobody's going to do. Or they're not going to do to a high standard. So the kid sets it because he has to set it, because he has to justify himself or demonstrate that he's setting it to his head. And then... The kid, kind of half hours effort to do the homework, or not at all effort to do the homework, he's playing a game as well. He's doing it on the bus, he's doing it at break time, he's doing it at lunchtime. Nothing's going in. What was the quality of the homework like that you set anyway? A charter at one point, I uh, abandoned homework, suspended homework in key stage three, because teachers were setting really poor quality homework. 
the kids weren't doing it or they weren't doing it to a good standard, then the kid would come in, he would just get his detention. Okay, H&S the same. Lots and lots and lots of homework detentions because the quality of the homework wasn't good enough. The teacher wasn't thinking about the quality of the homework. The teacher wasn't thinking about what kids are capable of doing. Now, capable of doing, willing to do, there's a big question there as well. But we've got to think sensibly, haven't we? If you have classes in front of you, that you know you've got to stand over them you've got to watch them like a hawk you've got to guide them very 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 carefully and then with all of that guidance and all of that um, surveillance all of that policing for want of a better word but you're really really on top of it if with all of that give them an inch and they'll take a mile look the wrong way and they're off task they're looking out the window they're chatting to their mate if that's the nature of the kids you teach what make and that's when you're standing there and you're eyeballing them. So what makes you think that they're suddenly going to go home and become amazing, motivated, self-motivating kids with, with this great ability to manage their own time and to delay gratification when they're home to do the homework? That you've said that wasn't very clear anyway, because you didn't set it very clearly, you didn't explain it very well, it was all very rushed at the end of the lesson or whatever, or whatever, whatever. So homework is fraught with danger, I'm going to say. Why don't you focus on your circle of influence, the things that you can control? That is the class. Your circle of concern is the stuff. It'd be great if parents were supportive. It'd be great if kids worked independently at home. That's your circle of concern, but it isn't really your circle of influence. Okay, other things. Teachers will set poor quality homework, and then they will give detentions. And if you've got centralised detentions, the teacher doesn't care. The teacher goes, look, it's a centralised detention. It's not that much of a problem for me. Somebody else is going to pick this up. Look, I definitely believe in centralised detentions. But I also know that I need teachers. I believe in teachers thinking very carefully about any homework that they're setting. What about the kid that doesn't speak English? What about the kid that doesn't have anywhere to do his homework? What about the kid... Um, that is very, very weak. Are you going to differentiate the homework? I didn't ask that question earlier. Huge issues. Okay, one of the things we do again, we do this, I think, to dance around the issue that homework isn't being done. It can be quite popular, computerised, multi-choice questions, yeah? In my experience, kids, a lot of the time, they just, they, they like multi-choice because it's kind of a a game, a little test of speed. How quickly can I get through the questions? Oh, I got 70%. Oh, I tried again. Oh, I got 50%. Oh, I tried again. Oh, I got 60%. Oh, I tried again. I got 80%. Whatever it may be. What I'm saying is they really quickly try to do the answers without actually looking and thinking, giving great a great deal of thought to the options available. It's a game. They're not learning that much from it. Now, if you manage to get multi-choice to work better for you, great. I'd love to see this because I haven't seen it done well. I've only seen it done badly. We did it with Michaela for a while. I dropped it very quickly. Everyone else dropped it uh, shortly afterwards. It takes an awful lot of teacher prep to create really good multi-choice questions. Really good multi-choice questions. And they work in some subject areas more than others. It takes a lot, a lot of teacher work. Is the kid doing the thinking necessary? Is the teacher taking a lot more time creating the task than the kid is actually doing the task? Big issues there. Also with multi-choice, I don't personally like showing kids misinformation, so I have a bit of an issue with it there. 
But again, I think the reason we go in the multitask group very often is we're pretending to set the homework, you're pretending to do the homework. Yeah, well, in this case, we are setting the homework. It's labor intensive. The kid isn't putting the thinking in that I need him to put in. You've always got to be looking back at teacher workload. Are the kids thinking? Because it's only when the kids are thinking, it's not us working really hard that is going to improve kids' performance. It's kids slowing down and thinking. Um, another option that I've used, again, I think we're dancing around the issue of the kids. We don't have control outside of school. Okay, I might say, we've got six weeks in this half term. Here's a sheet of paper at the beginning of the half term. You will see in my French lesson, in two weeks' time, you've got 10 statements to memorise for a test. And two weeks after that, you've got another 10 statements. Two weeks after that, you've got another 10 statements. So over the course of this half term, you will have a test every fortnight, and each test will be 10 statements that I need you to memorise. Could be French, could be anything. Okay, so they've got that at the beginning of the half term. If the kid is off, the kid has no excuses, you were given that at the beginning of the half term, you can regularly ask, ladies and gents, Let's have a quick look at our homework sheet. Remember, in two weeks' time, in a week's time, in three days' time, we've got this test. Oh, we've got that test out of the way. Let's do it again. We've got another test coming up in two weeks. I'm not doing a weekly test because maybe I'm a subject that doesn't get lots and lots of lessons. English, math, science, you get lots of lessons. Other subjects get fewer lessons. I don't want all the testing, testing, testing to be the tail wagging the dog. The testing process is useful. Yeah, it's good for their memory. Get that. But if I'm going to do something that I'm going to call a test, then I want to take it in and I want to mark it. I want to mark it quickly and efficiently. It gives me a feel for who's working, who's not working. What have I taught well? What have I not taught well? What high frequency errors are they still making? I quite like that process of got two weeks notice. We're going to practice in the class as well. And you're going to revise at home these 10 statements to learn. The following week or the following fortnight, another test. Another 10 statements to learn. No, I'm only going to test you on five from that 10 and five from the previous test, but you don't know which five. So therefore, you have to fully revise the previous test and fully revise this next test. Your keen kids are going to do that. Your lazy kids won't, obviously, because what we do is with tests, they pretend to revise. We pretend that they're revising. It's a little bit of a dance. Unless you've got a school or a culture uh, or a class where working hard, Again, delay gratification, um, allocating your time, being organised. If that is the norm, if that's how kids see themselves in your school, in that class, if that has become their habit, then yeah, any homework you set pretty much will work. Self-quizzing, I'll go back to self-quizzing we talked about earlier, didn't we? Self-quizzing, great way to learn on some levels. Was it demanding enough for your brightest kids? I think we could have done more. Um, or is it being gamed by your lazy kids? Absolutely. But here I go. I go to my next stage, don't I? I've talked about these. A test every fortnight. I like a test every fortnight. Um, I'm setting them up for success. I could say these are the statements you're going to learn. I could do a little bit of oral practice in class, right? These are the statements, but just the initial letters. It might be, okay, what's this sentence say? It's a 21 letter word. I said 21 word sentence. It's I M A B, and it goes on just the initials. But it's, um, sorry, it's in the French version I was looking for. Um, okay, what's this sentence? It's eight words. I've just got the initials. 
J-S-A-A-S-A-M-C. Oh, sir, it's, je suis allé au cinéma, oh, sorry, au stade avec mes copains. Great, what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? So I'm setting them up for success. Because, okay, complete those statements. I've given you the initial letters. You know the number of uh, words in the sentence. With a French one, I might say, uh, there's one accent aigu, which word? There's one accent grave, which word? So I'm getting them to think. I can do a lot of that orally. But when they do their final test, I will give them the support of, okay, I want to complete these statements. There's the initial letter of every word. If I'm giving you all that support, then what do I want? I want you to get 90% pass mark. Now, 90% pass mark, I'm thinking, you know, for your average kid in that group, given, given in mind, uh, bearing in mind that I've practiced it, at, uh, they should be practicing at home, I've practiced in class, I've highlighted the high frequency errors, I've taught to make sure the high frequency errors are preempted, 90% should be reasonable. But I've still got to think about, what about Johnny, who's never in? He's never in. He's not doing homework either. Now, a lot of them aren't doing homework, but we're just dancing around that. Um... Uh, what about Johnny, who uh, is incredible, or Mary, who's incredibly weak, or they're learning English? Now, I don't want to lower my standards so much that Johnny learns. Tell you what, if I do nothing, I get 10%. If I revise, I get 30%. Ah, I just do nothing. Because the teacher, the, the teacher doesn't bother following up. I don't want to be the teacher that goes, Johnny, um, you're weak. Johnny, you can't speak English very well. Johnny, you've got different circumstances in your life that aren't working very well. Uh, so I'll tell you what, uh, the pass mark for everyone else is 90, and you, you get 10%, even though I know you're capable of 30, 40, 50. If Johnny's getting really low marks, now it might be below 90, but he needs to know there's a consequence when he's not revising. If he's not attending school, if he's not revising, uh, if he's not attending school, that's another big issue again, isn't it? So hard. You see all these things at homework, all these implications with homeworks and tests, it's so complex. I don't want to lower my standards. I want Johnny to have that success, that sense of success. That's what really what I'm about is teaching preemptively rather than doing tests to set you up to fail, setting tests that set you up for success. That's what I'm looking for. So yeah, I want tests where there's lots of initials for support, um, where there's lots of self-check mechanisms. So they can answer part of the question if they can't answer all of the question. What they're doing is that support is helping them access their memory. And that's what I really want. I want them to access their memory. But homework, again, it's your circle of concern. It's not your circle of influence. Other ideas. Um, are you differentiating the homework? I keep asking this question. I might have somebody in the class who's really weak, and I might have said to the whole class, right, we're going to memorize these 10 statements. You're going to be tested on those 10. We're going to memorize these 10 statements. You're going to be tested on five from last week, five from this week. I might say to little Johnny, Johnny, I need you to concentrate on these, just those five, just those five. And I really want you to slow down, and I really want you to think about your handwriting. And I really want you to focus on this word and this word and this word. In fact, I'm just going to make you focus on those words with those accents. Now, the fact that we've got kids with disparate ability in the same class is crazy because everybody's losing out. But I'm trying to make the best of a bad job because maybe my school is set up badly. Maybe we do mixed ability teaching and it's just too much for me to do well. I'm a good French teacher, but I can't teach mixed ability well. I can't give a fair crack of the whip to the very brightest or the very weakest or the laziest. I can't be on top of them where I need to be. So let's have a little look. Okay, so I'll go through some key points again. 
I've talked about the ideal scenario where Johnny goes home, uh, delayed gratification, he times his homework, he allocates, t- allocates time, he eats that frog, he does his maths homework because he doesn't want to do it, then he does his English as a little reward, then he goes back to his maths. He talks to his parents, his parents praise him, he feels clever, he feels he feels in control of his life. And yeah, okay, you can't expect the teacher to do um, 10 hours, 20 hours, 50 hours a week of marking. And really, I don't know how you look at that work in any great depth if you're not. But hopefully you train the kids so the kid goes, yeah, but look, I did the homework for me. I didn't do it for the teacher. I can't expect the teacher to give me detailed feedback on the homework on a personal level because the teacher's teaching 300 kids, maybe more. But I did the homework for me. I need the kid to have that sense of self-identity. Again, it's like that James Clear thing, isn't it? Atomic habits. The frog idea, eat the big ugly frog and avoid that procrastination. That's the Brian Tracy idea. Again, really good books for me. I am saying you again and again with homework. Look, what's your circle of concern? What's your circle of influence? What is your learning return on time invested? Are you investing lots of time in this project and are you not getting much back out? Are the kids not learning much? Circle of concern, circle of influence, that's Stephen Covey. Um, I like the idea, I don't like the idea of, of multi-choice. I think it's very time consuming for teachers and I think the kids game it. You might have found a better way around this. Don't know, be nice to hear. Uh, I do like the idea of giving, here's a test that we do three tests in a half term, three tests in a half term, six tests in a term, 18 tests in a year. You can recycle those tests, which would reduce your workload and get them revisiting, revisiting, revisiting. And when you revisit, give them initial letters. Tell them the initial letters in, in, in the statement that you want them to learn. What I often do is I'll often underline the nouns again, it gives them a bit more structure to help them with their memory. Uh, but again, I think with those tests, we're playing a game. Your bright, willing kids are revising. Your lazy kids are not. Um, do you differentiate homework? Well, there are ways you can do it. I think the statements being, you know, with the initials and so on, is one way. Although I'm going to say I'm always going to use them for my brightest kids as well, because your bright kids don't need the initials, but what harm does it do? It doesn't do them any harm at all. It just gives them a sense of security, and it also gives them a self-checking mechanism. Remember, everything I'm doing, I'm setting kids up for success. I like them to have self-checking mechanisms, because that reinforces your idea of your, your identity as, yeah, I'm somebody that's good at this. And it gets you thinking. It just gets you thinking, because there's challenge there but there's also support if there's no support and there's just challenge too many kids just go ah, i'll give up they give up before they even start there you go so think about the learning return on time invested why are we doing homework is it to appease your head and is your head trying to appease ofsted and should we all be standing up and going no here is a better way it's better for the kids it's better for the teachers it's better for everybody's workload and we're not lying to children If we're building a system upon lies where we say these are the school rules and everybody knows you don't follow those school rules, I say that a lot. I say it on detentions. I say it on behavior. I say it on uniform. I say it on homework. If we're building a system on lies and we all know it's a system built on lies, where's the longevity in that? And where's the integrity in that? There you go. So that was me. Uh, 31 minutes. God, I can talk um, on... uh, homework if you like my podcasts and you fancy you know giving me a topic to do a podcast on 
send me a DM. I've got a lovely DM today from somebody saying how much they enjoy my podcast and they find them very practical and common sense. Good, because that's what I want. I don't want to give you uh, stuff that is impractical. I don't want to give you stuff that's like everybody else because everybody is a group thing. You know what it's like. Everybody says the same old thing. And how practical is it? And what impact is it having? Um, if you fancy me coming to your school to do inset, I often do these five-day projects where I come in, I work the head a lot, and SLT, and I'm looking at the start of the day, the end of the day, the start of the lessons, end of lessons, lesson changeovers, break, lunchtime, um, internal isolation, detention, really what I call every second counts teaching. All of these, all of these issues, loads and loads of issues. So I can do that. I can do five days. I can do fewer. I can do more. I like doing that because. You get a real feel for the school. You get to know the kids a bit more. You get to know the staff a bit more. You certainly get to know their SLT a lot more. Uh, it's, it's revealing. It's very revealing. And uh, the heads are kind of, you know, whoa, I had no idea there's so much to fix. But there often is an awful lot to fix. And it takes a fresh pair of eyes to help you um, navigate a path towards fixing that. I also do a lot of stuff with um, MFL departments. I've got six days coming up in a trust in the Leicestershire area. Uh, where I'm doing lots and lots and lots of MFL teaching. I do the teaching, I share the resources, I look at your resources, I share my rationale. Um, I'm working with your teachers in your school, but also other teachers from other schools in the trust come along. Can't be secondary, can't be primary. All of that makes a big difference. And it means you can build a network afterwards. And what I do when I do my training, I followed up with phone calls. So if you want phone calls, if you want me to share more resources, if you want to experiment with stuff, and then we talk about what went well, what didn't go well, and why it didn't go well. Again, a lot of that's about procrastination. A lot of that, and procrastination and perfection, perfectionism, very, very closely linked. So again, we look at all that. So if you're interested, DM me, and uh, very, very, very welcome to have a little chat. Okay, have a lovely day. Cheers, bye.